this is the sixth in a series called Doctor's Orders. Ravi did the first four, and I'm. This is my second. He uh, spoke and 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 did Luke until the Lord's Supper, and I'm going after the Lord's Supper here. And so today we're going to look at Luke 22: 47 to 65. And uh, sorry to report, but it's all about betrayal. Not a happy subject. Can you relate, though? Has anybody ever betrayed you? We will look at betrayal through the eyes of Yeshua, through the eyes of Peter, and maybe even a little, a little through Judas. So let's start with Luke 22, 47 and 48. While Yeshua was speaking, suddenly a crowd came and the one called Judah or Judas, one of the 12 approached Yeshua to kiss him. But Yeshua said to him, Judah, with a kiss, you betray the son of man. So consider this. Judas has been with Yeshua three years. He handled the finances, so he was in leadership, right? He was a key leader. He was a disciple of Yeshua. And Yeshua strongly invested into Judas. And, and Judas comes and betrays him with a kiss. The kiss probably showed Yeshua that that he really still cared for Yeshua, but he probably believed that, um, you know, that he was going the wrong direction and that maybe he wasn't even who he said he was. And so I believe that Judas rationalized. He said in his mind, maybe, Yeshua, you're a good person, but, you know, I think you're going the wrong direction. And so often people will say that about others and they will rationalize. One of the reasons they do it is it makes them feel better when they make somebody else smaller. So Judas actually might have felt betrayed also. In a sense, he felt, well, we were going and doing this one thing, and now it's gotten bigger than, than we thought, and, and it's getting out of hand, so to speak. But Yeshua was definitely betrayed. He had poured out his love, his trust. He taught Judith. Judas. And so um, in Luke 22, 49 and 50, it says, when those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Master, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the Kohen Gadol, which is the high priest, and cut off his right ear. Now in Luke, we don't know who that is. But if we go to the book of John, we see that John 18, 10 identifies the swordsman as Peter. 
And Peter, uh, in, we see also in John 18, 11, so Yeshua said to Peter, put the sword into the sheath, the cup the Father has given me, shall I never drink it? Now, a couple things here. Remember from last week, the cup that we talk about, it symbolizes wrath and judgment for God, from God. But this is another rebuke of Peter. He, he's basically saying, don't try and stop what God is trying to do. This is God's will. You don't see it, Peter. And... In verse 51, Yeshua answered and said, stop this now. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. So think about this for a second. Yeshua was really focusing on God the Father. And you know that because here he was betrayed, which must have put such a wrench in his entire stomach. I mean, when you, you know how it feels when you're betrayed. You just it just hurts so bad. And then Yeshua had to rebuke Peter. And then he's not getting tired of doing good, right? So he heals the ear of that servant. And it shows you that the negatives of being betrayed and having to rebuke Peter were not a distraction to what he was called to do and to who he was. It didn't hurt his integrity because he was not focused on the negative. He was focused on God. And so how was Yeshua able to overcome this hurt of betrayal? And how is he, I mean, he's willingly going to go into a, a situation with immense pain. He knows he's it's about to come. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Just imagine for a second if somebody you loved betrayed you. How would it affect you? A spouse. How would it affect you? Somebody who worked with you either in ministry or in a job and they betrayed you. How would you react to them? There are times when I have strongly invested in people. Years ago, I picture this family. We gave them money, time, lots of counsel. We were close. And then out of the blue, they left, having promised us many things and not keeping any of the promises. It hurt. It hurt a lot. And they were not the only ones. This happens. Maybe people don't even realize how they affect other people. But I had a choice. Many of us had a choice at that time. And actually, you have a choice. Become bitter or better. Become angry or forgiving. Do you want revenge or are you willing to give grace and mercy? What will it be? Some of you have to look at yourself now and say, am I bitter? Am I angry? Am I seeking revenge? 
some might say, I'm not going to help others again. I've done this. I've gotten hurt. And I'm just not going to do it anymore. We know that is not God's plan. So why wasn't Yeshua angry? Actually, it does seem like there were times he got angry. Uh, he got angry when people didn't do God's will. You know, he overturned the tables of commerce in the temple. And in Matthew 16, 22 and 23, again, Peter, Peter's a popular guy here. Uh, he took him, Yeshua, aside. Can you imagine taking Yeshua aside and began to rebuke him? Now that is chutzpah. That's nerve saying, never, Master, this must never happen to you, talking about the fact that he was going to suffer in Jerusalem. And then it says, but he turned and said to Peter, Yeshua turned, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of men. So what are we supposed to learn from Yeshua? Don't get angry but exhibit forgiveness and grace and mercy. Yeshua did not get angry, except, as I mentioned, in those situations. His anger actually was not at people, but it was at the behavior. So after he rebuked people, he returned to his focus of what was important, which was all about God the Father, and the news that he was to bring to all the people. Anger would be a distraction. Anger would not accomplish his calling. Now, Peter, on the other hand, he probably felt betrayed. Why? Well, he was the first to recognize Yeshua was the Messiah, the Son of God. That's Matthew 6, 16, 16, 16. Yet Yeshua was not willing to fight. He allowed the arrest. Peter still didn't understand that Yeshua was called to suffer instead of leading a rebellion. He probably was saying, I gave three years of my life for what? To watch the Son of God be arrested? At the same time, he was scared. And fear causes you to change your behavior. Fear has the ability to destroy your integrity. So what do we learn from Peter? Peter didn't understand the power of Yeshua's love. He was still in the mindset that we've got to win physically. He didn't see this as a spiritual battle. We know that perfect love, Yeshua, casts out fear. That's 1 John 4.18. And so the question is, do you today know the power of God's love? Do you know somebody in your life who you are bitter towards? Are you going to apply God's love to this situation? Or are you going to remain and be angry? A second thing we can learn from Peter is that even when we get theology correct, oftentimes we don't understand all the pieces to the puzzle. And so we have to remain humble and teachable. 
We have to learn to follow God's word and not our feelings. And then the third thing we can learn from Peter is <laughs> Peter asked Yeshua whether or not to fight. Well, actually, the disciples asked him, should we fight, Lord, you know? But, but they didn't wait for the answer, or Peter certainly didn't. So Peter cut the ear off of the servant because he didn't wait for Yeshua's answer. How often do we do this? Lord, what would you like me to do in this situation? But I have about five seconds to decide. So if you don't tell me something, I'm doing this. You know, Luke 22, 55 to 62. So what happens to poor Peter? He, he is having a bad day along with watching Yeshua have a bad day. So it says, now they had lit a fire in the center of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter was sitting among them. There a servant girl saw him sitting at the fire. She looked straight at him and said, this one was with him too. But he denied it, saying, woman, I don't know him. A little later, another saw him and said, you too are one of them. But Peter said, man, I'm not. And about an hour later, another began to insist, saying, certainly this fellow was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was speaking, a rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord how he had told him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now, one of the things I believe we can learn from this portion, especially that last second to last verse, where it says the Lord looked straight at Peter, which meant Peter looked at the Lord. He looked at Yeshua. And when you have your eyes on the Lord, you are going to see your sin. People who don't know that they've sinned or haven't seen the sin in them or don't recognize the sin do not have their eyes on the Lord. One of the things, you know, people always say, well, in order to receive Yeshua into your heart, you have to repent. You know what? That's not how it happened with me. I accepted the Lord by watching a movie. Repentance was no part of this. But you know what? Days after I accepted the Lord into my heart, I started repenting. Because God showed me my sin. And so... I'm just saying to you out there, if, if you don't think you've sinned much or you, you're so great, just keep your eyes on the Lord. God will show you. And it's great to know because that's part of, you know, whom the Lord has set free, you're free indeed. Well, it comes from repentance and then God sets us free from the sin. And so back to Peter, he was scared and he saw his sins, but he cared enough 
to overcome it somewhat because he followed Yeshua. He really was, well, maybe one of two disciples. Everybody else left. To some degree, he was with John, and then I think he went on his own pretty much. So we see it described in Matthew, and I just because I think it's worth seeing this again in, in Matthew's text, 26, 74, and 75. Then he began to curse and to swear an oath. I do not know the man. Right then, a rooster crowed. And you can see what happens to somebody who is... He's so upset because he is denouncing the Lord, basically. And, and so he curses and he swears. Then Peter reminded himself of the word Yeshua had said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went away and whipped, uh, wept bitterly. Certainly for the moment, Peter betrayed Yeshua. However, that's nothing compared to what Yeshua would have to soon tolerate, right? In Luke 22, 63 to 65, this is just the beginning of it, and we're going to close this portion of it here. Now, the men who were guarding Yeshua began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and kept asking him, saying, Prophesy, who is the one who hit you? And reviling him, they were saying many other things against him. This was just the beginning of the pain that Yeshua had to endure. He was betrayed, he was mocked, he was beaten for us. He was crucified for us. How do we overcome betrayal? We forgive. In Matthew 18, 21, funny enough, Peter again. Peter asks, how often shall I forgive? Seventy times seven was the answer. But I think another answer could be as many times as Yeshua forgave. Wow, that would be a lot. And just think of the quantity of people he has forgiven. At the height of Yeshua's pain, the, in the crucifixion, he forgave us. The result of the betrayal of Yeshua was for those who have received. If you have received Yeshua as your Messiah in your life, then he gives you a gift, atonement for our sin. He gives us another gift, eternal life, because Yeshua is not focused on the betrayal of you and I. But Yeshua is focused on new life, on new beginnings. He wants to give us abundance. Peter finally figured that out. He must have, because he realized in the book of the first chapter of Acts that he got together in, with a prayer group in the upper room and waiting for God's power to be poured out. He gave a message a little later on on Shavuot and 3,000 Jews came to know Yeshua as their Messiah. And we see an under, something here that all things do work together for good. Even things that are the greatest tragedies. God somehow works something to good. But in Yeshua's case, 
He gave us the greatest gift. It wasn't just a little gift. And so we see truly, as it talks about in Corinthians, that God's love never fails, never fails.